and we are live ladies and gentlemen this is not the shit pod that is of legend <laughs> but of course this is the crypto gaming institute podcast and i'm your host ben and today we have the one the only mr decline what's going on man hey i'm doing good how are you doing good doing good we were laughing a little bit before the show here and uh yeah i just want to keep that keep that energy going would love to really dig into your history and your story and you know how you really got into this whole crazy ridiculous space and uh yeah just kind of catch us up to to who you are and how you got here you know it's funny because every day when i think about it i think it's just such a surreal thing you know being in this space but uh yeah, it's uh, I'm a teacher. I when I was a kid, I loved art. I drew comics with my brother. He and I had our own comic book company. You know, it wasn't profitable as far as I know, but <laughs> we would write all these comics and you know create our own superheroes and had a lot of fun with that. And uh, I constantly was drawing as a kid um, in class. You know, I would doodle all over my notes, and somehow I managed to do okay in school, but. Um, I'm sure I missed out on a lot of what was going around me on around me because when I draw, I'm just, I just zone out. I don't see what's happening around me. I don't hear what's going on around me, which is why it's kind of therapeutic. Right. I think. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I love drawing as a kid. I went to uh, university to teach art. I, I also studied some other subjects like music and so forth um, and got into teaching art in a high school setting. And then I moved and uh, ended up teaching other subjects uh taught some french taught math and now i i'm still a teacher um but i mostly teach math at like a junior high level now grade eight grade nine um math is uh in some ways it might seem strange to say it but it feels easier to me to teach than art because with art in in where i teach the time for art is very tight like you're only getting about a 50 minute block of time with kids to create and that's really tight if you want to be like giving kids the opportunity to be creative. And I don't know, I found it difficult to teach in that kind of time constraint. Whereas something like math, it's nice to do it in bite-sized chunks. You don't want to do it for, you know, two hours or whatever. So um, yeah, I, I teach more math now than I did uh, in the beginning when I was mostly teaching art. But in terms of getting into NFTs, excuse me, I'm going to drink some water. For sure. Um, <clears throat> about, what would it be? Five, six years ago now? Wow. I started getting into crypto um, and learning about Bitcoin and Ethereum and just how crazy it all was. And uh, I started uh, my my favorite way of learning about something is basically writing about it. And so I started writing just on blogs and whatever. Uh, and I would write about what I was learning and just wrote about what Bitcoin is and why it's cool and what the potential it has and you know, I'm not a coder, but I just like to think of the big picture. I like to think of the implications of it. And so I started writing about that. And it wasn't too long before some companies saw my writing. And it was right coinciding with like the ICO boom in 2017 when everybody and their dog was making a token. And it could be, you know, if you could think of some kind of made up problem and come up with, a ridiculous solution to that problem. You could make a token and sell, you know, your ICO for millions of dollars. And there were all kinds of crazy ideas and uh, solutions looking for problems basically is what it was, you know? And 
at the time, everyone was like, this is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And so there were all these different ideas flying around. And so some companies uh, were like, hey, we like your writing. We'll hire you to write for us. And so I did some writing for some companies, mostly ghost writing. So I would be writing. And uh, then in the news the next day, you'd see the CEO saying these things. But it was actually my writing. It was kind of weird to see that. Wow. Right? But uh, uh, it also happened where I would do like some white papers and things like that. Some of the concepts were ridiculous, but you know, it was, it was a, it was a boom time. So it was like, sure. Yeah. I'll write your white paper. Why not? Right. So, and some of these white papers, I mean, some of the projects were just insane. The kind of money that they made in a matter of days. And then nothing came of some of these companies. Like the, as far as I know, they're gone, you know? So, um, but I mean, I was just freelance writing. And after that, I thought, eh, I want to do something a little more interesting with my writing. So I started looking at uh, like journalistic websites and I started writing for one called Crypto Briefing and wrote there, writing about news, writing about what was happening in the crypto scene. And uh, I was working there with the editor, John Rice, who's an awesome guy. And uh, he then moved on to be the editor-in-chief at Cointelegraph. And so I talked to him and He's like, yeah, come write for us at Cointelegraph. So then I started writing for Cointelegraph. And that's finally where I learned about NFTs uh, being used as a form of uh, art. Because prior to that, my understanding of NFTs was uh, things like CryptoKitties and, uh, you know, those kinds of things where it kind of had a bit of a gaming element to it. But it wasn't really considered fine art. Um, and so when I was writing for him, I wrote a story about the artist Robness getting kicked off of super rare because of his trash can art, which is now back on super rare and worth a lot of money. <laughs> um, and anyway, I wrote about that whole scenario. It was very interesting because, you know, it really revisited the problem, the question, like what constitutes art that has been challenged many times over the centuries. Right. And, uh, you know, this was just another iteration of that same question. And, but really got, what really got me about that was just recognizing that NFTs would be the new way that art would be uh, transacted, consumed. Uh, it would be the way people would show off their art, you know, in a way that traditional art cannot compete with, frankly, you know, like the fact that, you know, somebody has a million dollar painting in their home. Well, that's all well and good maybe a few people come over and see it and go, Ooh, wow, you got a million dollar painting. Uh, but when you can have it on the blockchain and everybody in the world can see, Hey, Whoa, you've got so-and-so's work of art. You know, it's a whole other level of, you know, frankly showing off. Right. And that's honestly, that's a big part of the fine art scene is people throwing their money around going, check out what I have, like, honestly. Right. So, you know, and of course, NFTs are perfect for that. They're perfect for, collectibles where people can say, Hey, check out my collection, right? Like, yeah, I've got some comics that I collected. They're sitting in boxes. Like I never look at them. I keep them in a dry place, you know, hard Maybe to flex. With also... Pretty hard to flex. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to sell them too. It's really hard to sell collect. Like, you know, if you look up like, for example, comics, like, you know, I've got some Spider-Man comics or whatever, right? They're not like the thousand thousand dollar ones. They're, you know, they're decent ones. They're probably worth a few hundred bucks kind of thing. Right. But if you look at it and go, oh, okay, that sold for that much on eBay or whatever, right? Well, that's, you don't necessarily know that your copy is going to sell for that much money, right? So, and then you got to find a buyer, right? And it's a pain. Like, 
I actually looked into it one time where I just wanted to unload them and the amount of money I would have got for them wouldn't come anywhere near what they're said to be valued at. Right. So I just find with the NFT space, it just makes that entire experience so much easier. So anyway, yeah. So then I, I started getting into creating myself, creating art myself, because after I talked with this artist, Robness, uh, it kind of was like this, what's the word for it? It's just something gnawing away at you that you have to, you know, get out. So within weeks of that, I, I contacted him again and said, Hey, I really want to do something with this. And so he worked with me and I created a poem and he created the artwork for it. And then we released uh, NFT as like a collaborative piece. And it was like a little poem that I wrote. And then he made the imagery for it. And uh, yeah, that was my first piece. And then following that, I started making stuff on Rarible and OpenSea and eventually got on Known Origin. So now most of my work that I create is found on Known Origin, OpenSea. And I'm also working with uh, the Koi Network, which is a pretty cool new network that basically with their technology, when you mint creations, there's virtually no gas fee. It's extremely cheap. Um, but what's really unique with the Koi Network is that you earn tokens when people look at your work. You don't even have to actually sell it. You you can create the work. Uh, you can embed that image file into, say, a website or post it anywhere where people look at it. If they click on it to look at it, you earn attention tokens from that experience. So with them, I created this series of uh, a PFP series of atomic zombies, zombies, which are zombies that are uh, created all from attributes I drew by hand. And uh, there's separate waves. We've done two waves so far. The third wave is in the works. They're doing a lot of technology stuff on it. I've actually finished the drawing part of it. They're working on the technology that what it allows for, which is really unique, and why they're called atomic zombies, because they're atomic NFTs, meaning the NFT doesn't just exist as... Well, normally with NFTs, let me back up a little bit. When you mint one, the image file just gets stored on IPFS, the interplanetary file system. And the NFT itself is essentially some data that's saying, okay, this is where this image file is stored. Uh, this is what, you know, created by this individual because it's tied to your profile, right? So it's essentially signed by you, right? That's what the data is. But the image isn't actually there. The image is stored elsewhere. It's pointing to it which, you know, is fine. It's great. But the difference with Koi is the actual image file is actually stored with that data. So you're not just minting data that's pointing to an image. You're minting the image with the data and the person actually owns that image. Uh, so it's kind of different, right? Um, but what's neat about that is that then means you can then move that NFT with the image, with the Koi Network's technology. You can move it to another blockchain. So I could take it from the Koi network and move it over to Ethereum or vice versa. And they're building bridges to other networks, uh, Polygon, Tezos, et cetera, a bunch of different networks that essentially what'll happen is eventually these NFTs won't just exist on a blockchain where, you know, say for example, years down the road, I don't know, maybe uh, Solana is not doing so great anymore. I don't know. I'm just picking one randomly there. And hardly anybody uses it. Well, you've got these NFTs sitting on there 
right? How much value do they have stuck on a blockchain nobody's using, right? Whereas with the coin network, you'd be able to say, you know what? I'm moving those NFTs over to Ethereum or Tezos or Binance chain or whatever. And you would still be free to move them around and you have complete control and ownership over those NFTs, unlike the current system that most NFTs, uh, where most NFTs are minted. So let me hop in for a sec because this is super, super fascinating. And we actually got, just for some context for the for the audience, we, we actually got connected by the founder of Koi, Al, who's mm-hmm. a total boss. Shout out to you, Al, you're the man. Awesome guy. And so I'm kind of curious, as more of a creator of NFTs, as your mm-hmm. medium, obviously I'm more on the content, video, audio side, but do you see value in, and I don't even know if this is possible yet because I'm, I'm more on the non-technical side, but would it be possible for you building the artwork to have it live on multiple at the same time to where you could have like a Solana version, you could have an ETH version, an AVAX version, a Tezos version, blah, blah, blah. And so that way people on whatever chain can still interact with you and your art and then it could be ported as necessary or something like how do you think of that like a multi-chain collection or or you would be like a multi-chain artist right well with like with the atomic zombies collection we're each wave there's 10 waves in total we've done two waves so far which were on koi and eve okay but each wave is going to be on another protocol oh that's cool okay because it, it, the whole point of it is to show, it's like a proof of, what's that called? You know, proof of concept. It's yeah. basically showing, okay, this is what Koi can do, right? And so each subsequent wave is being launched on a different protocol. But if you wanted to, you could then take it from that one and move it. You see? So the next one is going to be a series of sophisticated zombies. So they're a little more classy they have a little more expensive tastes um and so i've added a whole bunch of attributes for them to have those elements added and each wave will have unique attributes that i'm adding to kind of give the each wave its own flavor and kind of have some fun with it honestly now uh, we can also throw, did they throw in the, things for fun did they too. eat the brains of aristocrats only or you know what gives them their higher level? These are these are the aristocrats that, that have now become zombies, essentially, right? These are the uh, perfect, the upper class, I suppose you could call them, right? So you know they've got the fancy clothing and the expensive branding, and um, you know it's it's kind of fun. And then you know each wave, you know I've got some fun ideas. I'm not going to say, but some fun ideas for each wave. Now, of course, it also takes previous attributes into it into the mix, so. The third wave, it's just got that much broader of a range of attributes. So each wave will have a broader and broader range of attributes for these zombies to wear. Which, trust me, is is a logistical... It's challenging to figure, okay, what's on which layer and what, you know, like figuring out, okay, I don't want that to conflict with that and have that on top of that or that underneath that. Or Right. It can be kind of tricky. So as an NFT creator... I know that you're also you're also a podcaster yourself. You host the mm-hmm. NFP podcast. What fungible podcast? Yeah. 
So <laughs> what is kind of the scope of that show and how do you really tie everything together? I mean, you're an artist, you host the pod, you're a writer for Cointelegraph. Uh, I know you're also the member of a guild. So like, how do you, or not, maybe not a guild, but the guild, um, how does everything, yeah. yeah, how does everything work in your, like your ecosystem and how do you kind of manage everything and see everything? I could probably use a manager actually, cause it's a little bit too much <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, first of all, the guild is a collection of amazing artists, uh, who the number of them I got to know through telegram uh, people often ask how do you get connected with people well the way i first did was um a guild uh sorry not the guild through the telegram channel the art gallery auction house um and that was just a wonderful group of people who were all into nfts and, cre and creators and just getting to know people like um daniel pan was there and then i would talk with uh, shinji and a number of other people who were leaders in the guild or uh influential people in the guild and you know basically joined in that way and um the guild is interesting because they often have incredible artists join in on projects but it's all about collaboration so we'll do large scale collaborative pieces like pieces with like 30 some people collaborating to the piece and again you talk about logistical complexity that's there's a few guys there rudy is one of them who kind of sorts through all of it and makes it all work and Full credit to him because my brain would explode trying to sort that all out. But uh, yeah, so for that, I what's cool about them is it, it gets you thinking about things in a different way. Like it's often not what I would typically do artistically. So it's kind of fun to challenge yourself in a way and try to do different things. But it often gets you thinking about you know different ways to create. So it's great for that. And of course, it's great to be on more platforms. Like for example, we have works on Superware. We have works on async art. We have works on a number of platforms that, you know, it gives you that presence in those spaces. Uh, the podcast primarily when I began it was really just for me to connect with other artists and to get to know people in the space because chatting on Twitter is fine, but it's not the same as talking in person. Right. So or even online, I mean, like this. This right, is much right. better than just texting or DMing somebody. And that was honestly the main reason I did it. I wasn't thinking of it in terms of like revenue or anything like that, right? It was just a way to connect with people and network. Um, and I couldn't believe like the quality of people I was able to just get on the show just by saying, hey, do you want to come on my show? And they'd be like, okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> you know, so I'd been doing it for like two months, something like that. And Gary Vaynerchuk on Twitter is like, hey, I'm getting into NFTs. You know, whose shows should I be on? You know, um, people were like, oh, you should go on D Clyde's show. I'm like, what? So here I am with Gary V and he's sending me his agent's info, tweeting me and stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure, let's do it. So I had a, I had Gary V on my show. That's amazing. Right? Then, I know, right? And then he's like, hey, you know what? Um, we, we can promote this on our channel so i was like sure take the video sorry i hit the mic there take the video and put it on your channels and that video if you look at nfts for beginners on youtube it's the number one video 1.4 million views oh my gosh <laughs> now it's on gary vaynerchuk's channel so i mean i don't see anything from that but 
a lot of people have said to me on Instagram or Twitter, oh, hey, I saw you on Gary Vee, blah, 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 right? So it's amazing. It's been awesome. Like it's like it's a huge asset to have that uh, connection, right? That's but, incredible. Uh, yeah, it was really cool to talk to him. Very cool guy. And that was before he launched Friends, And, you know, he even dropped wow. a little alpha about it on the show. He he mentioned, you know, how many he was going to be minting. And he'd never told that before, you know, and he talked about some of the plans for it that he'd never mentioned. So here's Gary V dropping alpha on my little podcast, right? So it was pretty wild. Um, but anyway, no. So, I mean, it's grown. I do have a sponsor now. The Koi Network is one of the sponsors, is my sponsor. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it's it's been really fun. I usually try to do three episodes a week. Um, there's times where I do two, but most of the time it's three. And uh, mostly artists. Mostly I have artists as guests. Sometimes it's just innovative people in the space. Like uh, a few weeks ago, I had Tom Bilyeu on. Um, oh, my God. How did you get I him know, on? You, you, you got to look through my library, man. You got to look through the library. There's almost 180 shows on there. <laughs> That's incredible. So on, yeah, yeah. Well, because I'm a writer for Cointelegraph, sometimes I will get people requesting uh me to talk to them because of that and you know i'm like hey let's do nfp right so you know it's been a good connecting point for me for sure so i'm so curious because i mean i've just been blown away by the caliber of folks that have agreed to come on this show as well and mm -hmm. i'm you know i've been doing this for years podcasting for years so like i feel extremely comfortable doing interviews and so i've I'm very happy to go like, like I'll talk to anybody because I'm, I'm confident that we can create a really solid piece of content. Like I know the quality's mm -hmm. there, but how do you go out when you, when you have somebody that's a life changing guest like that, like a Gary V or a Tom Bilyeu, how do you structure that or think about like, I don't want to say extracting value from them, but like understanding the essence of that conversation or, or like arriving at a place where you structure that conversation in a way to maximize the value of that talk. Like how do you actually go about doing that? Hmm. Really? I, I haven't forced it personally. I've kind of, and I, maybe I could be more deliberate about it, but I've tried to be organic about it. Um, and you know, I just find it just brings people to me. Like, you know, uh, for example, the folks at uh, NFTs for newbies, which is a wonderful couple of people, uh, Rich and Heather, shout out to them. And, uh, you know, we just got to talking and they're like, oh, hey, you should come on our show. I'm like, okay, right. And I'm like, oh, why don't you join me on my show, right? And we got a lot of, both of us benefited from it. They got a lot of listeners to the show and I got a lot of listeners to my show and, I think it's just a gradual building process, right? It's, I don't know if you can force it. I'll, I'll have a lot of people ask me, you know, Hey, I've got this art collection. Now, how do I get it? So everybody knows me. It's like, uh, you work at it for months, gradually over time, you just keep doing it and keep talking with people and keep connecting. And over time, people will get to know you. But a lot of people have this misperception because they've seen stories of like the 10 year old kid who made a million dollars or whatever. Right. And, they have this misperception that, okay, I've got all this art now, just put it up somewhere and boom, everybody's going to see it and buy it. It's like, well, no, there's an ocean of NFTs and you're like a raindrop in it. 
So it's not going to happen overnight most of the time. Yes, sure, there are unusual stories, but by and large, it's consistent work that you just got to keep doing. And if you don't love it, it's not going to sustain. Like, I love it. So, I mean, I still, people will say, you do three podcasts a week? What? It's like, what? I'm talking with people I think are cool for like an hour or so, three times a week. How hard is that? Right? It's so, fun. It's fun. Totally. Yeah. I just love talking about this stuff. And the reality is, here's the other side of it, Ben, is I don't actually know a lot of people in my personal real life who are into NFTs. Very few people are. So for me to talk about them with someone who's into it, this is the way to do it, right? Exactly. I find the same exact thing. Like I'll go to a, you know, at the Super Bowl par- the Super Bowl party, like, you know, a couple days ago. And like, I'm with my family and some friends and stuff. And I'm like itching to talk to them about crypto stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool stuff going on over here. <laughs> but they're like, they have no idea. Like they're just so disconnected from this world. Like they wouldn't even right. know what crypto Twitter is or like, you know, no. they, none of that stuff. So to, to then be able to like be part of a community or create your own to where you can have the types of conversations that you want to talk about and want to be a part of that is so magical. Like that is so, so magical. I, mean, I couldn't agree more. I'm curious though, when you, so you've done 180 ish uh, shows. All of those individual people to actually have like a meaningful, long lasting relationship with that takes a lot of time and effort and something. Oh, sure. that, yeah, something. Well, that some I of them wish, you hit it off with more than others, of course. Right. Of course. Of course. But something that I wish I did better and I'm not exactly sure how quite yet is maintaining those relationships and making sure to like, like make those really sticky to where you're like, all mm. right, like you're awesome you know want to like bring you into like this this community of awesomeness of people so like how do you do that how do you make those relationships really sticky um collaboration (laughs) a lot of time if i have a guest on where it's like a style that i think ooh, that really would work well with what i do i'll just say hey let's create something together right and it does create more of a bond between you um also seeing people in person. Like I went to Miami in December for the central con and I met up with the Koi network folks like Al and the crew. And I met a whole bunch of these artists who I'd only spoken to via the podcast. Now the advantage of the podcast being I could recognize them when I saw them in person. Whereas most of the time, if you're just communicating on Twitter, who knows what these people look like? Right. Right. You know, so that was a huge help was seeing these people in person and uh, NFT LA is coming up. There's East Denver right now, right? Isn't East Denver right now? Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't make I'm it East sure. Denver right away. Anyway, I couldn't make it East Denver, but anyway, it's those times where, you know, I think you make those more lasting relationships is you got to meet people, you know, now it's kind of harder now with COVID, but that seems to be getting easier again. Um, it does mean, traveling paying for flights and stuff like that but worth it you know it's worth it totally worth it so i could see i take my wife along and so then we have a nice little holiday while we're at it too you know oh yeah that sounds super fun well so from the art perspective i could totally see how it would be like the next logical step is like oh like let's make let's 
create something together. Like let's do a piece together or something mm-hmm. for, for somebody who might be more like purely on the content side or the media side. Like what do you ask? What's the next ask? Is it, Oh, let's do a follow-up. Like let's do a course on something that you're brilliant on, or like, let's do a masterclass or let's, let's do a Twitter space. Or like what's, I mean, what's the next ask after that? Like if you just had your podcast and you weren't the artist, what would be the next thing that you would ask to like collab on or, or to create together? I think Twitter spaces is good. I do Twitter spaces fairly regularly now with a wonderful person. Judy Lindsay is her name. And she's a force in the space. Uh, she's super into photography, uh, but also is just very knowledgeable and, the amount of people she seems to know, I don't know how she knows so many people. I, She's forgotten more people than I know in the space. Do you know what I mean? Like she just knows everybody, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll hop in with her and co-host with her sometimes on Twitter spaces. We just had a Twitter spaces last night with the artist uh, Jasty, who is a 16-year-old guy who does these uh, acrylic marker doodles. on. He He actually did the one where he drew on the Ferrari in Miami. And... Yeah. He did a, a, a marker on canvas work on foundation or origin, I believe it was on origin, I think, that uh, sold last night for 4.2 ETH, I think it was, you know, so pretty good when you're 16 years old to be doing that kind of sales. Um, and, you know, just stuff like that is is really great. I mean, even if you're not a creator yourself, space is a fantastic tool to connect with people and listen I admit there's some spaces where it can get kind of boring. So you do kind of kind of have hop around. Um, but Judy's just like so enthusiastic. And so she's great to to do that with. So I enjoy that. Um, but yeah, I have to admit, I, I don't know. I could probably be more strategic in that regard because I'm all over the place. Like, you know, I just do this because I like it. I'm not, I'm not like, okay, I have to do this to achieve this or this or this. I'm just enjoying it. So little different than if you're i just i don't know if the f- primary goal is money you might be disappointed <laughs> sure. you gotta you gotta love it you gotta be passionate about it because it goes up and down right like you know uh, look at the last month and a bit in the space i mean there are not a lot of artists making a lot of money in the last since christmas basically right 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 so if that's what you're going to depend on then yeah, time of the year like this is going to be enough to make you quit, probably. And that's why I think loving it is the secret, because when everybody else gets bored or goes away or gets you know distracted by something else, you can just keep going with your thing, keep building and keep staying focused. And then the next time things get hot, well, you've been there and you've been you're positioned well. Yeah. Your position well, you've been waiting for it. So a, a question about that, because, and maybe that is the answer, is like, how do you prepare for the future is just to stick around and keep having fun and follow what is interesting to you and, and just do the things that you love. But I always think about this whole Web3 revolution, crypto, blockchain, NFTs, crypto gaming, all the stuff, like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime from the, whoops, I hit my mic too. The opportunity of a lifetime. I do it at least once an episode. Yeah. 
<laughs> and have you ever listened to it like in a car with a subwoofer on it? It's just like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> People are thinking we're trying to beatbox up in here. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like, maybe not even from a financial perspective, because I agree with you, like it can't be all about that. There has to be more than just that. But just from the perspective of like making the most of our time, and this is the biggest opportunity of a lifetime from any perspective that you look at it. I mean, the future of humanity is the metaverse for sure. It's the, like the metaverse is the internet 3.0. And there are people every, that are dreading it, but it's happening. It's like it's, it's, it's inevitable. Exactly. Yeah. How do you best it. prepare <laughs> to, and again, it doesn't even have to be from a monetary perspective of like, all right, you have mm-hmm. to take your bets and buy this thing and that thing and then flip at this point and then buy and then rotate and blah, blah, blah. But just how do you not let this opportunity pass you by? I think you got to experiment until you find some element of it that you love. Like there's so much going on, right? Is like, you know, um, experiment with different, uh, platforms, different, uh, technologies. Maybe you like the gaming side of it. Maybe you like, uh, the collecting side of it. Maybe you like the music. Like maybe everybody naturally likes some kind of form of expression that they like to consume or collect. I don't know if that's possible to not like, any of those elements right and granted it is in its infancy and um might not grab you in every regard but there's got to be parts of it that would click for people i think you know just play around and dabble around you know like i students in my class you know and they'll they'll try to distract me when i'm teaching i'll be like hey mr klein what's an nft that's the running (laughs) joke now If I'm about to give an assignment, they'll put up their hand. Mr. Can you explain what an NFT is? <laughs> like that's their way to get me off track. But anyway, I'm like, no, I'm not gonna explain what an NFT is. <laughs> They're like teenagers, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, what was I getting at? I'm distracting myself now. Oh, um, like how to be how to be best prepared to not let but this pass what, you by. Yeah, what I was gonna say was, you know with some of these kids they're seeing that i have success with it and they're starting some of them are like hey mr guy look at what i drew hey hey, look at this and they actually get really enthusiastic about it because there's never been a time in history until now where you can go you know what i'm gonna create art i'm just gonna make cool stuff and maybe i can make a good living doing it like that's pretty that's all it's always the message has always been in the past yeah but you need a real job like you can do this on the side but you're going to need to get some kind of meh job to survive. And we can see like just this example of this artist yesterday, this Jasty selling this piece for an equivalent of $13,000, right? You can make a living doing this stuff, right? Now, granted, not everybody's going to have success, right? But if you're young, like I've said to them, look, you're young. If you love it, just keep working on it and you'll get really good at it. Right. And, you know, it's not going to be hard to do because you love doing it. So just enjoy doing it and get better at it and work at it. Right. So I think there's un- unprecedented opportunity in that regard with web three that pretty much anybody can find an area that they love, that they can get good at because they love it. Right. And practice it and get better. And you'll find a market for that. There, 
I, I, it's just the opportunities are massive to me. So it's get in, flail around, experiment until yeah, you happen sure. to find something that you're like, oh, this is sweet. And then, yeah. and then just keep, keep exploring your creativity and just see what happens. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, um, even with myself, like when I, granted there are artists in the space that have a very defined style and they stay within that style and they're known for that style and they pretty much stick with that. Right. And granted my art does have some recognizable elements to it, but I like, I get bored of a certain kind of style. And so then I'll try different things. Now, granted, there's still elements people could look at and go, Oh, that looks like maybe declines work. Right. But, um, maybe just the way that I draw lines or whatever, I don't know. But, um, the opportunities to just play and experiment and try different things, you know, like I, I created just the other day, a couple of pieces that were totally different style from my normal stuff. And right away there were people who really liked them and I sold a couple of them. Right. And I was surprised. I was like, well, I've never done anything like this before. And boop, 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 they were sold. There was one where I was just doodling it. And I, my wife happened to see it. And she's like, Ooh, I really like that. Right. And I was like, really? It's so different from all my other stuff. She's like, no, 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 that'll sell. That'll sell. As so I was like, okay. So I mint, I added it on OpenSea and poof, it was gone in an hour. I was like, what? Right. Wow. So, you know, and but you don't know because I've had pieces that I love that nobody buys. Right. When I'm like, oh, this is like one of my favorite pieces I've ever made. Nobody buys it. <laughs> but then the one you're like, huh, gone instantly. Yeah. Right. So, and I have to admit, like it is motivating when you sell like that is, I just got a little notice from open sea that I got uh secondary, whatever payment, whatever it is. It's like, mm -hmm. huh. it's a good feeling, right? Like no question. Um, and you know, that's not guaranteed. I mean, especially it seems like there's less people kind of spending right now, but that's not unusual for this time of year. It usually picks up in a month or two, two, I'd say, but it's not like we can really point to a pattern that's too young for there to really be, you know, a reliable pattern in terms of the market cycle. So, right. but that would be my guess. So do you, like, are you in this one specific mode of like creator and artist and then like, do you touch coins or any other projects or like go out and participate in, in any of the other places of crypto or like, are you in this spot and you're like, okay, this is my zone of genius. This is what I enjoy. I'm going to do this thing some more. Right. Uh, when I first got into it in 2017, Binance was new. Okay. And there was a proliferation of what I refer to as shit coins. Okay. <laughs> Yes. And at that time, I was like mining and I was trading shit coins. <laughs> and uh, my favorite <laughs> one at the time is a legendary token. It was called the Verge currency. Okay. I bought this Verge token for pff, almost nothing. Right. And uh, the next day uh, after I bought, it was a few hundred bucks worth. John McAfee uh, said on Twitter, this is going to be the next greatest coin ever. He was probably paid by them to say it or whatever, right? 
and it went up like crazy and i was like woo right <laughs> of course problem being uh, i'm the diamond hands type i i can't bear to let go of the stuff and so it goes climbing up 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 and i'm like this is awesome this is amazing this is amazing and then comes crashing down. <laughs> <laughs> she's like no <laughs> and so i bought it here goes up here it's coming down here somewhere around here i finally sold it you know what i mean so <laughs> i made i made like a couple hundred bucks kind of thing but yeah that's been my problem so i'm i'm a terrible trader I, i'm not a good trader uh i get greedy so you know i can't i never sell the top i never sell the top I just, <laughs> I just can't do it and so i've found that for me personally it's better to just be a creator I, i'm not a trader i i know it about myself i know what you're supposed to do i still can't manage to do it your emotions control you you know like it's just human nature you know look at stock markets you know you get people who are day traders and that you can, it's extremely hard to fight that emotion of, well, FOMO or fear or greed. It's very hard to overrule that in your own practice. So I just found that it was too frustrating. It was basically gambling. Yeah, sure. There were times that I made a little bit of money, but not worth it. I lost money at least as often as I made money. Well, the good news about that, at least the good news that I'm hearing is you don't have to be a great trader because no. you could just create and you could be a builder. And mm -hmm. I do think it's important for people to know, like, how do you operate a wallet, hot wallet, sure. cold wallet? Do you have cold storage? Are you protecting yourself? If you had mm -hmm. to, could you get out there and make a trade or two? If somebody airdropped you 10 trillion ETH right now, like, would you know how to turn that into another currency and be able to spend that at your local grocery store eventually and, and, uh, you know, pay for a mortgage if, or, or whatever, like to just know at least the basics. And like, if you had to then, uh, you know, use that in some way, like that to me is good fundamental knowledge, Sure, but you, but you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. You can mm -hmm. instead build your own stuff. And create your own totally. value and and participate in way in whatever ways that that makes sense to you for somebody that's first getting in and maybe a total newbie and just is, is trying to learn and understand how would you suggest that they acquaint themselves with the space and do so in a way that they're not just bombarded by shills and they don't go down the, sh the shit coin rabbit hole only to come up weeks later rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's the same thing. I mean, some of these PFP collections are basically shit coins. Right. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, my approach was just following people where when I first started on getting into Twitter and building up connections, I was really careful about who I followed. Like I would just, look at certain people in the space and you know you can follow somebody that well for example if you followed me then you could look at who i follow and you go okay who is he following and look through some of those now granted there are a number of people i just follow back because they follow me and it's like the nice thing to do right so i often just follow if they've got like more than one follower you know what i mean <laughs> 
Well, because yeah. sometimes you do get the fake ones, right? Where it's like, you're not even a real person. You got one follower, right? You're not you even know. a real pseudonym. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be a snob. I'm just saying, if they've got like no followers and their right. name is like Bob137952 <laughs> or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, but the majority of the time, if someone follows me and they seem like they're actually an actual person, I, I will follow them back if they have some amount of followers, right? Um, and as long as they're not just, you know, saying ridiculous stuff, but anyway, so you could look at somebody like me or maybe like you, right. And go, okay, who are these people following? Start following them. And then Twitter is pretty clever about it. It'll say, oh, Hey, you're following these people. We recommend these people. Right. And if you follow those recommendations, sure, there's going to be some that are duds, but you can get a pretty good little circle going there of interesting people in the space, right. That you can follow. And it just kind of grows from there. I mean, while I will admit, like, I do spend a lot of time on Twitter. Like, it's kind of like part of the job, so to speak, right? Yeah. You have to have that social media presence, you know? And again, it just takes time, you know? I hit 10,000 followers the other day. Woo! Amazing. Achievement unlocked. Woo! <laughs> so that was kind of cool. What was funny is I hit 10,000. I was like, yay, 10,000. A couple hours later, it was like 9,999. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so someone had left. Someone had unfollowed me after I celebrated. <laughs> they probably were just jealous that you hit 10K. They're like, I'm going to ruin it for this guy. Maybe they just wanted to be the 10K. And then they just left after they got it. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it was just funny. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Did I answer your question? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, I think the idea was in the beginning to learn, go to Twitter, find a couple of people that you can follow and listen to and learn from, yep. and then explore from there. And you'll, you'll eventually yeah, discord kind of is also, way. some people love discord. I'm not really much of a fan of it. I find there's a lot of kind of iffy stuff in there. That's really hard. If you're new, it's really hard to decipher what's legitimate and what isn't. And there's been a few pretty major compromises of discord channels in the past number of weeks where um people have managed to get a hold of credentials and then they're saying hey we're ready we're minting this here come to this whatever and people go there and they're not actually they're getting scammed okay mm. so that's probably not where i would start <laughs> um yeah i think you know podcasts are good uh, my friends at nft nfts for newbies they're wonderful you know you can follow their podcast and they kind of go through all the basics, you know, like how do you set up a wallet? How do you mint an NFT? You know, and they talked to, I was, I was on their show talking about how a person who's in the traditional space might enter the NFT space and kind of take advantage of that. Um, but yeah, they have a lot of interesting shows too. My podcast more focused on getting to know the people in the space. Theirs is more like a, a how to kind of thing. Right. So that'd mm -hmm. be a good place to start. Yeah, I like the idea of going to like going to your pod and going down your list of all the people that you've interviewed and just like following all of them and right. following yeah, you. Totally. And then bam, you have a feed of now 181 people. And then all of those people are more likely than not going to have at least one project they're working on where they have a co-founder or something like that. And then yep. you can, so you can basically double it. And they've got like 500 people that are, you know, have been vetted 
at least in some way, because you're not going to have somebody who sucks on your pod. Like, let other people. I had, vet I had for a couple. You. I had to delete them. I had one where uh, I was just telling someone this the other day, where they came on my show and they had this whole PFP thing going on, and uh, I it was a great conversation. Da 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 da. Get to the end, post it, publish the piece, and someone DMs me and says, "Hey." You know, this is actually a ripoff of another artist. I'm like, what? <laughs> so oh, no. I went back, deleted the episode, and went back and, you know, confronted them about it. And apparently they worked something out with this artist that they were basically rip ripping on, ripping off their art. But that was a regrettable situation. But that's the only time that's ever happened. And it was like they were very professional and yeah, it was shocking. Uh but anyway, you never know. You never know when you bring someone on the pod. Like you're taking your best guess. You can only vet so much. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And okay, I'm curious to to know your thoughts on this. I actually don't think it is the responsibility of the podcaster, so like the us in this scenario, to try to censor at all what the guests on the pod are saying. Like mm. If obviously you should have your own opinion, but the whole point of a pod is to let people share their thoughts and ideas. Mm -hmm. And like, at least for me, like I just want to hear what other people have to say. I'm not yep. pretending to be some expert that can yep. like wave the magic wand of judgment. Sure. So like, I don't know. I, I'm just curious. I was a little torn with that. that one because some people said, Oh, you should keep it up and just put like a disclaimer at the beginning or something. And I was like, you know what though? I don't want people going to this profile thinking it's legitimate buying these pieces that are actually ripping off somebody i didn't want to contribute to that yeah so it wasn't really a case of censorship per se um i mean they're still free to say what they want on twitter or whatever but oh i agree with how you handled that i one just for sure i just didn't want to be contributing to people being misled in that way oh totally and i wasn't yeah, no, I wasn't passing judgment on that at all. I was. Oh, I'm not taking it as judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I was more thinking like, for example, there have been multiple folks on on this pod that like feel very differently about like the future of layer ones versus layer twos and where mm -hmm. games are going to live. And it's like mm -hmm. nobody really knows right now. We could take our best guess, but it wouldn't be for me to decide, like, oh. I'm going to cancel this episode because this person said this thing that I think is wrong. Like, it, cause it's just, yeah, no, another... I wouldn't cancel an episode for that purpose. For sure. Not. Yeah. No, I think it, it would have to fall in the category of they are, you know, victimizing somebody like scamming right. somebody right. for me to do that. Exactly. Right. Cause I mean, just cause they have a different opinion than me that turns out to be right or wrong. That's, you know, the whole point I'm, I want to learn too from the show. So exactly. If I'm learning from them, great. You know, so no, I, you're right. I wouldn't cancel them for that reason. Well, I don't know if I'm right. I just think that's kind of the approach I've taken. So, and it's interesting to mm -hmm. hear from another podcaster. So at the point where you decided that you wanted to start taking on a sponsor for your show, Mm -hmm. Obviously, Al and Coy are, I mean, total gem of a human being in a, in, a, in a wonderful, wonderful project. So that totally makes sense to me. How did you make the decision that you were ready to get a sponsor and to go about it that way? 
a big part of it was that the people who introduced me to it were people who I already trusted. So it was actually connections with people from Cointelegraph that I knew and trusted mm -hmm. who then made those connections with Koi. And so I already was like, okay, this is a legit project. It's not who knows what, do you know what I mean? Cause yeah. for me to have a sponsor on the podcast, it's a risk if you're taking on a sponsor that's kind of eh, iffy and there you are really endorsing them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, the sponsor to be somebody that I was like, yeah, this is a legitimately good project that has awesome potential that I can feel comfortable promoting. And I don't feel phony about it because I actually think it's cool. Right. So it's a lot easier. Right. Cause then I don't have a problem talking about them in a positive light with it just being natural because I'm not feeling like it's forced, you know? So I didn't want to have a sponsor where it was just like, yeah, these guys are great. I really like their <laughs> product. Uh, I hope. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Which, you know, means it, it took a little more time. I mean, but I was doing it for nothing just because it was good for networking. It was good for connecting with people. So I'm sure the sales of my NFTs were uh, benefited from my podcast because there were more connections made there. More people followed me. For example, look at the Gary V example. Okay. Gary V follows me on Twitter. Okay. So people in the space going, Oh, I want to get into NFTs. You know, Oh, who does Gary V follow? They see me, right? Like that's a phenomenal tool, right? If I reach out to these other really cool people and I say, Hey, do you want to be on my show? We follow each other. Right. And so every time I do that, people are seeing, Oh, look, look who these people are following. Right. So again, it comes back to that building a community in Twitter, building a presence around yourself, right. Of people that people respect. And so of course that brings you up with them. Right. That's so right. I, I think it's, it's a phenomenally important tool for sure. Social media, Twitter in particular, I use Instagram, but I don't know about you. I just don't find I get a lot of traction there. Honestly, I st I've stopped. I don't use Insta or Facebook. Now, part of that is because I think a lot of what Facebook's building with their version of what they're trying to claim is the metaverse, which I think is just blatantly wrong because the metaverse is like the collective of all the other universes. Sure. But I think the way they're trying to approach it is most likely going to be kind of predatory. So I don't really want to build something that is anti like, I don't want to build the crypto gaming Institute brand on a platform that is antithetical to like what I stand for. So I just, okay. am like, I'm going to, I kind of see them like they're trying to be in the mainstream eyes. Cause most people aren't really into this stuff in the eyes of the mainstream, they're trying to be the definitive exactly. NFT platform, like the, I don't know, we call tissue, uh, facial tissue, we call it Kleenex, right? right? Well, that's a brand, right? Yes. But it is, we all call it Kleenex. You know, um, I don't know if you're old, uh, old enough for this, but the Sony Walkman, okay? It was your little portable cassette player that you listened to, right? Well, everybody called it a Walkman. Nobody called it a portable cassette player. Right. 
And they succeeded in being like, we're the ones creating this definitive term for this. So I think that's what they're trying to do in the space, you know, and, and in the public's perception, they're trying to create the themselves as the definitive NFT platform that most people will connect with. You know, when I was a kid, you know, it didn't matter if I was playing uh, in television or an Atari or a ColecoVision or a computer, my parents would say, oh, you're playing your Nintendo or whatever. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. Nintendo was the one that managed to capture that uh, iconic uh, imagery. So exactly. I think that's what they're going. I think it's what they're shooting for. Yeah, of course. And I don't know if that's it, bad. I mean, it's a good strategy on their part. You know, everybody hates on Facebook, but we all use it. Most people do anyway. It's smart from a business sense, but I think they're just trying to recreate Web 2 in Web 3. Like they're trying to that's a fair point. They're trying to reskin. And I just don't like the idea of being in a virtual reality scenario or an environment where instead of instead of the ads being confined to this device, the ads can be fully immersive around me and I can't escape them. And so if all the hardware and the software and the resources and the metaverse is them, then I have no control over that. And I'm stuck because I want to use that technology yeah. and the world's going there and then they own it all. And they're like these metaverse overlords, like, no, <laughs> thanks. I'm out. I'm yeah. going to just like, I'm I don't know, though, you know, because the reality is most people will get drawn to the platform that works the best. And uh maybe is the most accessible of and, course uh, they i wouldn't put that past them to be the ones to be able to do that right like you know so i mean if you have the best vr experience in their domain so to speak a lot of people will forego you know whatever principles in order to go oh we just had this great time with my friends doing blah 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 blah, blah right and eventually it just becomes accepted you know like I don't know. I don't know if it's. I get where you're going. I I understand what you're saying. I yeah, mean, yeah, and and look, yeah. if they happen to win out, then they just pulled off one of the greatest rebrands and the greatest pivots of any company of all time because yep. they were under a lot of fire and they mm -hmm. changed at the perfect moment to like get Zuck out of the spotlight, kind of, and yep. and and so like you know, kudos to them if they if they pull it off. I don't think that's necessarily good for humanity, but like, no, you know, what, what I am think, I going to do? I think you're right about that for sure. Yeah. But you know, if they win, they win. So I, th you know, I think it's up to us to at least recognize what they're trying to do and try to figure it sure. out and understand and just know what we're opting into and make sure it is an opt-in instead of a default of like, if I want to experience metaverse, I go to Facebook. Like that's mm -hmm. like, we should at least think of like, Oh, there are other options. We can do other things. We <laughs> yes. have choice here we're not just slaves to this one thing and this one um you know random robot like human <laughs> my, most my times you end up with like a duopoly you know you end up with mm -hmm. you know a couple huge forces maybe amazon comes up with something you know what i mean like um yeah who knows? seem to be satisfied when they feel like there's some kind of choice you know coke and pepsi type feeling right right um in terms of there being full decentralization, obviously that's not going to be their goal, right? 
Of course. You know? No way. And when you look at a lot of the NFT space, a lot of it is essentially still Web 2 in reality, right? Yes. So even at the we've infrastructure got a long part, ways to go in that regard. Even at the infrastructure part, we yes. all connect to the internet through an internet service provider. They've yep. laid billions of dollars of fiber in the ground, run cables on wires and stuff like that. That's not decentralized. They could turn our they could turn our internet off in a second. They're not going to do it because we're paying them most likely. But they could turn off our internet in a second, and then all of the like, all of the hope for decentralization is like, oh wow, actually, we don't have that. So yeah, yeah. well, a lot of it runs on these Amazon Web Services, like right, heavily, excuse me, <laughs> heavily, heavily dependent upon that, right? Exactly. There was even just a few weeks ago where MetaMask wallets, how long ago was that? Two weeks ago, maybe? All of a sudden they stopped working. Nobody's MetaMask wallet was working. Why? Well, because one of the APIs, I think that's what it's called, one of the nodes, let's call it that, uh, Infura was having some issue. And pretty much everybody connects their MetaMask through that node, right? Now, you can manually switch it, but it's a little daunting, it's a little technical. And so the majority of people were just like, well, I guess MetaMask doesn't work, right? It's like, that's a, that's a problem. Right. That should be like a flashing all, red light. All dependent <laughs> upon this single service, right? And again, to be fair, you could switch it to a different service if you knew what you were doing. But right? most people won't. Most people won't. Most people won't, right? So people find comfort in, in that centralization that, you know, do you know what I mean? So yes. Yeah, it's a tricky problem. Totally. And I think we're so early on that like let's just let's just build stuff in a better way than before and then let's tackle these bigger problems over time as we can and as we can mobilize the culture around this type of idea. That's my perspective on it. Like we're we're filming this and it's being blasted out to a bunch of social media platforms and the technology used to build this like this is a it, everything that's being used to create this is like web two stuff, but sure the spirit of it is web three. Like mm -hmm. let's get the information out and let's you know let's at least do what we can with what we have and make the best of it. And then over time, as we can do more together, okay, now we can start to make some real change. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's just kind of my take on it. Is like do what you can with what you got have a smile on your face and have some fun while you're doing it. Totally. Well, and it's a long process, right? Of course. You know, I remember when Ethereum was new and all these tokens were coming out and everybody was like, oh yeah, this token is going to change the world. Oh, when is it going to be ready? Oh, like a year from now. It's like, what are you, <laughs> you serious right now? Right. And there was this extreme optimism in terms <laughs> of what these tokens on Ethereum were going to be capable of doing, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, like, oh, the whole supply chain, you know, anything you buy, it's going to all go through the blockchain da, 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 in like a year's time. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. Right. But at the time, you know, that was how it was perceived, that it was just going to transform it instantaneously. Now we realize now, OK, this is a much longer, slower path mm -hmm. to these things. But that doesn't mean it can't happen. Right. Of course. It's, it's just it's more complicated than people first realized. Right. And oftentimes it takes a little bit longer than you think 
to get things to where they need to be. But then there is a certain point where then it's it happens very, very quickly. It's like the build right. up, build up, build up, and then it like all happens at one time. It's like the exponential curve graph. So I think just being here now in early 2020, like or 2022 rather, we're so early on still. Oh yeah, we are. Yep. And the best thing we can do is just to keep going and keep participating mm -hmm. and keep having fun. And like, let's just see what happens because it's a fun experiment and it's yep. crazy. And we don't really know what's going to happen at the end of the day. But yep. hey, we're here. We're doing it. Totally. And it, you know, if I were to give to any advice to anybody out there that's a creative person, you know, it doesn't matter what. Like, maybe you're into choreography, dance. Maybe you're into music. Maybe you're into drawing. Maybe you're into throwing ink at a wall. I don't know. Okay. Um, get a MetaMask wallet, put a little bit of money in it. Not a lot. Okay. Learn about how to store a seed phrase safely. Don't take a picture of it. Don't store it digitally. Write it down, store it securely. Okay. And, uh, start trying to mint stuff like, you know, maybe easiest platforms or places like Koi, Koi network. Right. With that, you use the Finny wallet. You don't actually even use MetaMask. You can just go to the Koi network, uh, K-O-I-I dot network, get the Finny wallet for free, set it up. They actually give you free Koi. So you don't even have to buy anything. Okay. And start trying stuff. Just fool around and have fun. And you never know where it goes, right? Like people are so afraid of failure that they won't try something. And it's like, maybe you're really missing out on something you're really going to love doing, right? Just because you're afraid that it's not going to, you're not going to make a bunch of money from it. Like, so what? We all have hobbies we do where we don't make money, right? Do it for fun. And who knows? You might actually yeah. make money from it at that point. You might, right? It's, I love it. It's gravy, right? It's just a bonus. I love it. Well, Decline, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're the absolute man. And uh, appreciate you uh, sharing some time and uh, coming to chat here. It's been a lot of fun. So thank you. Thank you. Maybe you got to come on uh, NFP sometime. I would love to. Anytime, anytime. Awesome. You're welcome back on the show anytime as well. So again, you're the man. Right thank you so much. Everybody's watching, listening. I thank you. Y'all the reason I do this. I love you all. And I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Take care.